Hello, and welcome to the History of Haiti. Last episode, we watched the Spanish withdraw from Saint-Dumont, causing the slave armies they supplied to dissolve. This episode, I want to discuss the events surrounding the Third Commission. In case you have forgotten, the Third Commission consists of five men, two of whom are totally irrelevant. The, the other three were the colored lobbyist and lawyer Julian Raymond, a white member of the First Commission to Saint-Dumont, Philippe Room and Suthano. Room left Saint-Dumont for Santo Domingo, where he began trying to establish French control of the previously Spanish colony. Although the Spanish government in Spain had agreed with the French government in France that the French should control the colony of Santo Domingo, the Spanish actually in the colony of Santo Domingo were somewhat reluctant to cede Santo Domingo to the French, and Rome did not have any way of forcing the Spanish to cede Santo Domingo. So for now, Santo Domingo remains mostly Spanish. This will, no doubt, come up again. In the south province of Saint-Dumont, André Rigaud continued to consolidate control. Like Toussaint Louverture in the north, Rigaud put into place a system of slave emancipation with restrictions. The blacks would be free, but they would be forced to work at the plantations for minimal pay, while the colored owners of the plantations received the profits. Rigaud also cemented a system of colored supremacy. The coloreds owned the plantations, had administrative positions, and senior officers in Rigaud's military were all colored. Since the Second Commission had left the colony, Rigaud had had absolute power in the South, as Paul Varel had given Rigaud absolute emergency power as his final act before leaving the colony. The Third Commission, however, decided that now was the time to force Rigaud to stop acting independently of his French allies. Southeneau then appointed a commission, because of course it's a commission, this is the Haitian Revolution, to go down south and stop Rigaud from acting independently of the rest of the French government in Saint-Dumont. On this commission, Southeneau appointed several white locals, at least one of whom had fought against Rigaud in the 1791 Whites-Colored Civil War. When these white locals arrived in the South Province, they first began telling the black cultivators that Rigaud was about to put them back into slavery. Then they arrived in the capital of the South Province, Lakai. There, they ordered Rigaud to go on an offensive against the British and attack the British port city of Jeremy. But Jeremy's garrison was larger than ever, as the massive British expeditionary force I mentioned last episode, numbering 12,000 of the 30,000 men the British had sent to the Caribbean, had arrived in Saint-Dumont. Rigaud attacked, but was defeated by the British. Then, the commissioners still based in Lakai, ordered the arrest of colored leaders in Lakai. Because of this, coloreds in the area surrounding Lakai declared themselves in revolt against the commissioners. They told the blacks that the commissioners wanted to put them back into slavery and raised an army to march on Lakai. This army marched into Lakai and massacred the whites there. 300 whites were killed, 
before Rigo ordered the army to stop killing whites. Rigo then sent the commissioners back up to Le Cap and told the third commissioners that he would continue to maintain his control over the South. In the North, the third commissioners had decided to embrace Toussaint's tricolor system of limited slave emancipation, but also began to modernize the colony. They built schools to educate the now free blacks, though the schools received little funding. A judicial system that would uphold the cultivators' rights was created by the third commissioners. But the third commissioners and Louverture both realized that the colony was built on a plantation economy, a plantation economy that Saint-Dumont could not survive without. And so they began trying to restore the plantation economy to Saint-Dumont. The colonial government began to auction abandoned plantations to individuals, though the colonial government would still take a cut of the profits from those plantations. These plantations were mostly being auctioned off to a new class of wealthy black and colored officers that were fighting for France against the British. This class controlled the military in the north and controlled much of the land in the north. This class was led by Louverture and will eventually rise to be masters of the colony. But as I mentioned last episode, Saint-Dumont faced many challenges to the rebuilding of its plantation economy. For one thing, blacks were still hostile towards the idea of returning to the plantations. Many blacks peacefully fled to the mountains to live in maroon communities or just stopped working at their plantations and focused on their personal plots of land that they could now use to survive. Other blacks went into revolt against Louverture and joined the British in their fight against the French. The British were still intent on re-establishing slavery, but they had begun offering freedom in exchange for service to blacks. Other blacks joined the French military as it offered them the prospect of advancement, and soon Suthineau was requesting Louverture to mobilize some of his forces so they could work the plantations. But blacks not returning to their plantations was not the only challenge that the rebuilding of the plantation economy faced. In the August 1791 slave revolt, all the equipment that had been used to produce sugar had been destroyed. Sugar plantations, the most profitable and large plantations, could now only produce the less expensive raw sugar rather than the refined sugar that they had been able to produce before the revolution. In Louverture's attempts to consolidate power, both Governor General Laveau and Suthineau were his rivals, though he officially remained allies with them both. When the Third Commission arrived in Saint-Dumont, they had orders to hold elections for the colony's representatives in the national government of France. Louverture saw these elections as a prime opportunity to get rid of both Laveau and Suthineau, and heavily campaigned for both of them to be elected. Both were elected to represent Saint-Dumont in the government of France. When Laveau was elected to represent Saint-Dumont, he chose to leave Saint-Dumont and represent Saint-Dumont in the current French government. 
But when he arrived in France, he was blocked from serving as a representative of Saint-Dumont by conservative big whites, who were still lobbying the directory to restore slavery in Saint-Dumont. But these big whites would be defeated in the coup of Fructidor that expelled conservatives and royalists from the directory and allowed for representatives of Saint-Dumont to enter the French government. This coup also allowed Louverture to become the directory's greatest ally in the colony. In contrast to Laveau, Suthenot refused to leave the colony. But now that Laveau had left the colony, Suthenot was forced to name Toussaint commander-in-chief of the French forces in Saint-Dumont. But Louverture would not allow Suthenot to stay in Saint-Dumont. Suthenot posed a threat not just to Louverture, but also to the reconstruction of Saint-Dumont's plantation economy. As big whites, both in Saint-Dumont and in Paris, hated Suthenot more than anyone else. And Toussaint believed that getting rid of Suthenot would make the big whites in Paris stop trying to fight Toussaint and slave emancipation. In August, Toussaint and Julian Raymond created a plot about how Suthenot had asked Louverture to help him start a revolt and declare Saint-Dumont independent. Of course, they had made this plot out of thin air. They presented this to Suthenot and demanded that Suthenot leave the island. Suthenot stalled, but Toussaint threatened to use violence if Suthenot refused to leave, and so Suthenot conceded. On August 24, 1797, Suthenot got on a ship bound for France. He would never return to Saint-Dumont. Suthenot would serve as a delegate in the French government as a representative of Saint-Dumont until 1799, when he was expelled in the coup of Brumaire. Then Suthenot went to, back to his hometown of Oyonna, where he lived until 1813, when he died at the age of 50. Légère Félicité Suthenot is a figure who is both interesting and controversial. He is power-hungry, deceptive, dishonest, but he is also good-natured and dedicated to the cause of emancipation. He had good intentions when he issued the Emancipation Proclamation in August of 1793, and Suthenot worked hard to try to establish a society of equal men working together to achieve prosperity. When black cultivators went into revolt against Louverture and Rigaud, as they now often did, they did so chanting, Long live the Emancipator! Long live Suthenot! Suthenot is not talked about nearly as much as Toussaint Louverture, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, or other important figures from the Haitian Revolution, but he did more than possibly anyone else to advance the cause of emancipation in Saint-Dumont. During all this, war was still being waged against the British. Now bolstered by 12,000 reinforcements, the British launched an offensive against Toussaint, but they were forced to retreat after a counterattack. Of course, 
The British reinforcements were still dying to tropical diseases incredibly quickly, and Saint-Dumont was giving the British incredibly limited returns, while costing them thousands of soldiers and a small fortune to maintain. By now, the British controlled a few port cities in the colony, but nothing else. It was beginning to dawn on the British generals how truly pointless it was to remain in Saint-Dumont. And next episode, the British will finally withdraw from the colony of Saint-Dumont, bringing seven years of non-stop war to an end. Or, at least a nine-month intermission, because Toussaint and Rigaud are of course going to throw the colony into civil war less than a year after the British withdraw from the colony.